0: Learn more at marines.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we continue our Fantasy Files series, with a bit of a special edition here, I want to give you ten tips to follow in your fantasy football draft. Now, the goal of this fantasy file series, of which we are 80 plus episodes in, has usually been to crunch down on one specific, you know, quarterback room, running back group, wide receiver, tight end room, whatever the hell we were talking about. Usually, just stuck on one thing, which was great. Again, we've been doing this since May. There's been a lot of time to, you know, uh, go through and not necessarily hit the single most important thing every single day. With that said, I know a lot of you are getting back into your fantasy drafts and i'd rather try to help you win those more than you know artificially and arbitrarily just complete this series which i'm going to continue doing just instead of finishing off with you know podcasts about the detroit lions quarterback situation or the new york jets running back situation still important things that believe me i am considering but not necessarily devoting entire podcasts to them so in turn i want to do some just again more all-encompassing pieces here coming up that were really just do the goal here, and that's try to win you money in your fantasy football draft. So today, I'm going to roll through my 10 tips that I believe anybody should be following in their fantasy football draft, pretty much regardless of format. I'll get to that more in, the, more in the future, not including Dynasty, just redraft. So chill out, but best ball too. So with that said, tip number one, don't get cute early, everybody. And I think... Most of you are pretty good about this. We don't normally see, you know, a wide receiver 30. You don't see Chase Claypool going in round three, even if you might be ranking him there for a reason. Average draft position, just like in the NFL draft, is sharper in the beginning parts compared to the later. And that's what we see in fantasy land. We have spent so much time all offseason, people like me with a full-time job, people like you that are just getting into this in August, or maybe it was a couple months ago in, you know, June, July. We all focus so much more on the top 20 players in the top 50 at every position. And because of that, there's more focus on the early parts in the draft. And we see the first, second, third rounds, similar to the first round of the NFL draft, not go exactly as planned, but go pretty hand in hand with what we're envisioning in our minds. So early round ADPs are sharper and better to follow than what you get in the mid to late stages of draft. So what I mean by don't get cute early, I'm not saying you can't draft. You know, if, if you're picking ninth, and jonathan taylor is your guy and it says you know he's no you should be drafting aaron jones like he just has a higher higher adp go get jonathan taylor that's fine i would pick aaron jones but i'm not saying you can't pick your guy within a couple spots if you feel good about someone go take him it's your freaking team just don't be making some 12 plus adp jump to get your guy in round three because there's a much better chance he'll still be there in round four compared to going to get your guy in round Thirteen. One example I've, you know, consistently seen this off season is Deontay Johnson, who consistently has kind of been in that wide receiver twenty-four to twenty-seven range. You can sometimes even get him in the sixth round of a best ball. I've gotten him a ton in round five specifically like there have been times in round four where I have picked receivers that I have ranked ahead. I'm sorry, behind Deontay Johnson. Cause he's my freaking wide receiver, 14 wide receiver, 15, because I know there's a better chance of him coming back around to me compared to someone, you know, in round 12, where if I see, we'll say, uh, you know, Alexander Madison a running back I really want and I have the positional need for it then maybe I'll leap on Madison a round or two before people would expect him to go but in the early parts of the draft I just think you have a much better chance of getting your player coming back to you because we can trust what the ADPs say more in the first few rounds than the last few so first tip don't get cute early second tip there are roughly 14 running backs to feel really good about and I have been content to get one, two, three, zero of these guys in the first three rounds, depending on who is available. This is why I don't necessarily, you know, put my name next to Zero RB or Anchor RB or, you know, Robust RB or whatever the hell the kids are calling it these days. It just depends who's there, you know, draft on who is there. It's not catchy. I don't think there's a good acronym for it, but... that's how you should be drafting like don't come into a draft saying I'm not going to draft a running back until round six no matter what and pass on Ezekiel Elliott in round two like that's just silly so for me consistently if one of these 14 running backs have been available I'm not taking them every time you know I'll take Calvin Ridley over Clyde Edwards-Alaire who's my 14th player on this list in general though I have been comfortable taking these RBs if it's a one-to-one wide receiver anyone outside this list I typically have just been taking a top 15 wide receiver instead so the much anticipated list the 14 running backs number one Christian McCaffrey again easy 1.01 selection I don't think anyone is really debating that number two Dalvin Cook legit 400 touch upside number three Alvin Kamara someone I was lower on earlier this off season wondering you know just how could how big could that impact be from Breeze to Taysom or Jameis not just in terms of targets but in terms of scoring upside Well, you take away Michael Thomas from the equation. Someone has to get yards. I'm completely back in on Alvin Kamara. Maybe I should have never been out. Fair point. Number four, Derrick Henry. You know, yeah, it's a lot of touches. There's a lot of touches after 2019 as well. And I just think in the the perfect offensive system, not necessarily in terms of, you know, being able to play with positive game script all the time, but find another team that's willing to give someone the ball as much as the Titans are willing to give it to Derrick Henry. uh, I don't think you're going to be hard-pressed to find just that. Running back number five, the guy is Elliot Elliott. Overall RB three with Dak under center. As bad as things were last year, he finished as the overall RB nine PPR RB fourteen and PPR points per game. So it just wasn't that bad. And volume remains king in fantasy land. Number six, I have Saquon Barkley. We'll talk about this a little bit more in a bit. But basically, secondly, he's on the field. He's gonna be a top three back. It seems like we got some confirmation that week three is looking like worst case. People, I sound think week one looks fine. I mean, if there is one piece of report that was saying, "Hey, Saquon's recovery is." not going well it's going to be delayed that would be one thing every single thing we keep hearing about Saquon is that the Giants have his long-term future in mind as they should that's great if he gets you know if Jason Garrett really has a Saquon healthy Saquon Barkley out there in week one and only gives him 10 touches you know I'll come here and say I'm wrong just don't see that being the case I moved Saquon down he was my overall RB3 I bumped him to six I'm not ignoring all this and I think uh taking you know Devontae Tyreek Kelsey ahead of Saquon it makes a lot of sense Just saying, he's still anyone's idea of a top six, seven fantasy running back. Let's not get ridiculous running back. Number seven, I have Aaron Jones already proven capable of having a top five ceiling. And now if you take away Jamal Williams, we might just get those, you know, 80, 90 targets we've always been hoping for number eight, Austin Eckler, you know, kind of the opposite of Aaron Jones already seen the high end RB one ceiling because of the pass down roll. Now, if we can get the goal line roll legit top three upside is on the table. Joe Mixon number nine. I mean, look, he led the league in touches before injury last year. We're chasing volume. Mixon looks like one of the biggest, uh, you know, projected workhorses of 2021 pick number 10. I have Najee Harris like Mixon. I'm not as concerned about a bad offensive line, bad offensive situation. When we have a running back looking at getting 300 plus touches, don't forget, you know, Le'Veon Bell and James Connor for the better part of their quote unquote era were two of fantasy's most fantasy friendly backs. Number 11, I have Antonio Gibson. You know, this is a tough one. I, I could honestly like warrant putting Gibson as high as like seventh on this list if he can get those targets away from JD McKissick. If not, we're looking at someone that my uh, buddy, Joy McFarland, who is now a full-time PFF employee, I love it, pointed out, like Antonio Gibson's role is a little bit closer to Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor than a lot of people are giving it credit to. We know he can catch the ball. Will he get the chance to? I hope so. He's a top 11 back for a reason. I'm happy to take him in any round two you see him and It's just a concern. And why it's the only reason why he's not higher. Number 12 and 13, Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor. It it sucks Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz left for Jonathan Taylor people, but I talked about this at the end of our, uh, I think it was NFC West podcast with Andrew Erickson. Like, we've had Taylor around here. Like, yeah, people that had him as RB6 should definitely be dropping him the ranks. He never should have been that high in the first place. It's always been more of a workload issue with Taylor. You know, I've been telling you guys all offseason, when you have a bad offense line, it doesn't necessarily matter in fancy land if you're catching passes. Now, I know that could be a problem with Taylor, and losing Wentz isn't ideal. That's why he's my RB13. I just think that, you know, we're still looking at someone on pace for, you know, 250-plus touches, anyone's idea of a fantastic real-life back. I think Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor well, Uh, they're not top 10 fantasy running backs are definitely top 10 real life ones uh, with the ball in their hands at at least and again guys you'll want on your fantasy team even if they're not locked in top 10 picks and finally number 14 Clyde Edwards-Hilaire overpriced in 2020 don't let yesterday's you know mistake influence tomorrow's fantasy draft and you you look at this Andy Reid offense over time Clyde still has a chance to be the 2020s version of Brian Westbrook which was you know fantastic and i'm not saying he's that andy reed said that last year so don't shoot the messenger quickly again cmc dalvin kamara derrick henry zeke saquon aaron jones eckler mixon naji gibson chubb taylor and clyde eversolaire are my 14 running backs i am basically drawing a line after that with all due respect to dave montgomery deandre swift daryl henderson a lot of these guys are gonna you know come through and make some noise and if they're there in round five or six i'm not saying i won't draft them but just in the first three rounds these are the running backs i Really focusing on tip number three if it's close, take the player with the better best case scenario and this really ties into uh, a concept i brought up now on a few podcasts flex with benefits again thank you to fantasy footballer legend Mike Wright for coming up with it on Twitter but basically I wanted to figure out like what do we call these running backs who are backups but have enough of a weekly role to provide flex value and they pre- possess league winning upside if an injury happens to their team starter so guys like AJ Dillon, James Robinson, Kenyon Drake Jamal Williams, Latavius Murray Gus Edwards, James Connor. I mean all these guys have huge upside in the best case scenario and you can probably start them more weeks than not otherwise thus the term flex with benefits was born these running backs make up the majority of my rb3 range and i also think it's a principle that can be applied to the quarterback position if you're entering a ranking competition you should probably have sam darnold ahead of justin fields better chance to start 17 games who do we want on our fantasy team when it's week seven and both guys are starting? Justin Fields. That's why we draft Justin Fields. Better, best case scenario, go get those guys. Number four draft players priced closer to their floors than ceilings when possible. I found more than well i've written down seven examples around the league of public of the public appropriately noticing problems in a situation but inappropriately valuing the corresponding relative fantasy stock and all i mean is that it's situations that you'll see where it's like okay i know there's an issue here but the adp is so far below what we should expect it to be again we don't hate players we hate adp and these adps i personally hate first off miami dolphins wide receivers jalen waddle and Wolf fuller they're priced as wide receiver fours people do we think two is not going to enable any top 36 wide receivers like both these players are explosive as hell they're by all accounts great wide receivers in their own rights and you can get them in the wide receiver 40 range i'm drafting both waddle and fuller in that spot every single time uh second instance the 49ers like yeah we see multi-back committees but over the past few years whether it's Moster, breed of i mean hyde turned in an rb8 finish in the first year shanny was there but even these committee systems they've had in recent history the running backs have been finishing. In the high 20s or low 30s, like the public has finally gotten off the Shanahan running back send because we've been burned on it for a couple of years. Never mind that Devontae Freeman and Carlos Hyde and Alfred Morris, he's had some incredible running backs. Now, I'm now not sure if that's going to be Moster or Trey Sermon, maybe a combination of both. Either way, these guys are being priced in the RB3 range where we've seen worst case Shanahan's running backs finish in recent years. Anyway, uh, Buffalo Bills running back Zach Moss, my opinion, the prime late round running back to grab. Uh, we got from Bills camp. Saying that, you know, he is looking like their best running back there. It makes now, you know, the bills now have 258 million reasons to feed Zach Moss to a ball a little bit more at the goal line. You can't take the full YOLO out of Josh Allen. I understand that, but people, he does have the third most designed rush attempts inside the 10 yard line since he entered the NFL three years ago. So Zach Moss, Hey, if he was going in the RB2 range like Devin Singletary was last year, no, I wouldn't want him. But when you can get him with a non-top-30 running back pick, yeah, give me all the Zach Moss. Uh, Arizona Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds. You know, him and James Conner, it's kind of left some, you know, we want some more information on it. And we'll see what the preseason tells us. But people, Edmonds, last time I checked, was going as the RB26. Like, he was the RB25 last year with Kenyon Drake, who is now gone. And Kenyon Drake was on this transition tag, making, you know, seven to nine million on that season. James Conner's making a little over a mil. So I know his extra running backs coaches there with the Cardinals. I know Conner has better, you know, goal line potential. But I just think we've really gone too far in that direction. And I'll talk about injuries here in a little bit. James Conner is someone where there's enough of a scare with injury history that I think if it's a toss up, which just seems to be, he should not be getting the benefit of the doubt that has not been the case in the public. And because of that, I think Chase Edmonds is shaping up as, you know, a really prime candidate in that sixth round range uh, for your second running back. Uh, Houston, Texas wide receiver, Brandon Cooks, I've uh, done a study on just the low ADP uh, receivers with the potential for triple digit targets. Cooks headlines that list. I know we don't have Deshaun Watson, but when there's nobody else to throw the ball to, you can still win with volume that should be brandon cooks in 2021 new york jets running back tevin coleman like i I agree michael carter should be the top-ranked guy in new york but people were like assuming that one he will be which doesn't seem you know like a case closed proposition and two that the jets are going to like somehow feature carter as like this legit true rb1 look at every backfield in the nfl there's sometimes one back like in Carolina sometimes there's four backs like we have no idea if Michael Carter's rb1 usage is going to be like McCaffrey or if it's going to be like Ronald Jones in 20 you know 19 splitting with two other backs completely equal so Tevin Coleman, when I popped and just did a, uh, you know, study like, hey, where would running backs be ranked if we only did it on projected volume? He popped as the single largest discrepancy in terms of just where the volume projection to rank and where we actually rank him in fantasy land. Don't be afraid to use a late round pick on Tevin Coleman. He's free and he could get a lot of touches as bad as he was over the past two years. You got to realize he suffered horrendous lower body injuries. 18 snaps into last season, 36 snaps in the season before. I might've switched those. Either way, the guy just hasn't been healthy, appears to be so. Now, finally, point number seven, I'm honestly personally offended Tyler Boyd is so damn cheap and fancy land. I was watching uh, I'm recording this on Sunday morning. I was watching some uh, UFC fights last night from pay-per-view and I had, uh, you know, my rolling underdog drafts going on on my on my phone. And I think I was in three straight fifth rounds and I just drafted Tyler Boyd three straight times in under a minute. And it felt so good. I felt alive, people. And you should, too, because Boyd is going as a wide receiver four at this point, more like a borderline wide receiver three. Like, okay. I have Chase and Higgins ranked ahead of him. I have all three of them as low end wide receiver twos. Like don't, straight away from this offense because of one bad august practice report people we've always been in play on volume that's why boyd with Burrow under center last year was the overall wide receiver 11 if anything bringing chase in is more of a threat to higgins targets because they're both on the outside keep drafting tyler boyd gets just a huge discrepancy in terms of where he should be going compared to his teammates and again that overall point draft players priced closer to their floors and then ceilings when possible Fancy tip number five, injury prone and already injured are two completely different things, people. I mean, look, Joe Mixon, Chris Carson, Austin Eckler, we're dinging them more than other guys when we shouldn't be. Like, if they're healthy now... Okay, treat them as healthy. We cannot predict injuries in the future only with guys like Carson Wentz with the foot, Michael Thomas with the ankle. That's where I'm concerned. Thank God Justin Jefferson's, you know, appears to be a day-to-day AC joint thing as appears to, you know, a fractured collarbone. And yeah, that's, you know, pretty simple. Injury prone usually doesn't exist and i will try to get dr evan porus on this podcast before the season starts to help explain this to you but again very rare cases someone like james Conner, maybe where we have to actually look at you know him recovering from cancer and how sometimes again per doctors i'm not trying to pretend like i'm an expert here that can weaken the rest of your you know bones and stuff like that so there are situations where injury prone might apply but for someone like joe mixon people he, ne- he never missed more than four games in the season before last year he didn't miss what more than two games I think before his rookie year so don't penalize Joe Mixon or Chris Carson or Austin Eckler any more than these other guys no one's complaining about Christian McCaffrey missing 13 games last year as much as a concern as Saquon Barkley is he's still going well ahead of Mixon Carson Eckler again if the best thing you can say I mean I'm sorry if the worst thing you can say about a player and like your reason for not drafting him is oh he'll get hurt hey, maybe you should reassess uh, how things are going. Again, though, already injured. Those are situations we want to avoid. Michael Thomas, I won't be drafting unless, you know, maybe he's there as a last three-round dart. I don't think he'll be there most more times than not. And with the Saquon Barkley thing, you know, we talked about that a little bit earlier. But again, until I hear actual reports that Saquon is not, back is not getting back to 100% on schedule which again he appears to be just fine they're just being cautious with him that's when I'll really sound the alarm for now it just seems like they're being extra cautious great but the recovery is going fine even better point number six if you pick one of this year's dual threat rookie quarterbacks also draft Kirk Cousins Justin Fields Trey Lance we want them to be out there in week one we're not sure if they will be because of that people Oh, well, draft them anyway. You get a dual threat upside rookie QB the second they're under center. And before then, take Kirk Cousins because the Vikings' first seven games before their week eight bye, they get the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Browns the Lions, the Panthers, and the Cowboys. I mean, a lot of these teams, you know, the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Cowboys, even the Browns, even though their defense might be pretty good, like those are five teams right there that should be able to score with the Vikings. We're not even looking at those annoying games where Cousins throws like 12 total passes. Maybe we get that with the Lions or the Panthers. Maybe not, though. I mean, that Vikings defense isn't exactly looking good in their own right. And then after that, you know, we would hope by week seven, week eight, that we'll have Fields and or Lance under center, then he can go ahead and make the switch but yeah if you draft Fields or lance take cousins that's the takeaway point number seven knowing strong early season schedules can be your friend i'm not a fan of like fading a guy because of their whole season schedule like what the hell do we care about a guy's like weeks nine through 12 at this point in time i get it matters and it is all you know part of the puzzle just saying people like we're putting a lot of stock into something that you know matters in fantasy land but maybe not as much as we're able to kind of appropriately assign relative value matchups like you know wide receiver cornerback matchups i understand they matter but our ability to necessarily pinpoint their relation to fantasy is where i have some questions and now doing that before we've even seen the defenses play these newfound defenses play this year is a bit ridiculous to me but hey as i just said you know with uh kurt cousins i do think there are spots where we can learn and uh just see hey early in the season first five games you know what are we really seeing here from from them so you can find this article on uh, pff.com against title 10 tips to follow in your fantasy football draft i have quarterback running back wide receiver tight end uh the top five easiest strength schedules in the bottom five for the first uh five weeks of the season so make sure you check that out small preview number one easiest schedule for quarterbacks buffalo bills uh running backs houston texans wide receivers carolina panthers tight ends houston texans so Jordan Aikens and a bind tight end premium. Maybe you can imagine Terrence Marshall getting a lot of hype from Panthers camp might be someone we can at least look to in the DFS land earlier than later. And the Texans, the more we hear about Tyrod Taylor potentially being under center people. I mean, they are playing the Jaguars week one. I understand Ty, The artist formerly known as Ty God didn't look great last year. If you are going to take a chance on this atrocious Houston Texans offense, it might be, Be in the first few weeks of the year. And this is not an endorsement of the Houston Texans offense. I'm just saying if you're going to follow strength of schedule, I prefer to do it in small spurts, particularly beginning of the year as opposed to the end or middle when, again, our entire ideology is going to change on a lot of these units. Point number eight, take an extra five minutes and review your scoring formats before the draft. You know, if you're in a league with friends and you've been there for the last 20 years, you probably know what's what, but tight end premium, super flex, I mean auction, These things can just throw you off so quickly point per reception uh, settings with it. I mean, do you need to draft a kicker? Just different things like that where, hey, you need to know, like, don't hate the player, hate the game. And, you know, you shouldn't be complaining if you finish last in your fantasy draft because you didn't take five minutes to review the rules and see who you should be drafting. So obviously that can change things in a hurry. Point number nine, get a big three tight end or wait till the double-digit rounds. Look, PFF projects only six tight ends to finish the season with triple-digit targets. Big three are easy. Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, and George Kittle. We also have TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, and Mark Andrews. I'm not against these guys, and they should be top six. I just think they carry far bigger risks than Kelsey, Waller, and Kittle. For that reason, I've been consistently trying to get one of those guys. Usually Waller or Kittle more so than Kelsey in round three of my drafts. And if I don't get them, I'm waiting. I'm waiting a long time because as much as, you know, the middle, as much as late round tight ends typically don't, you know, return us a ton of value. I don't think the middle range is all that great either, particularly when we're talking about taking, you know, Hawkinson or Andrews or even Pitts when it's between them or like a legit top 20 wide receiver or running back that's where I'm just taking the other guy because we see Adam Troutman who we've been you know again pushing on you guys for months at this point now getting actual talk about him joining Kamara as the top two pass game options without Michael Thomas Anthony Ferkser who is pretty much the Titans starting slot receiver Gerald Everett who might just be Russell Wilson's most talented you know just overall Titan one that we've seen in quite some time so yeah they're less sure than Kelsey Waller Kittle, no doubt. That's why they're going ten rounds later. And I don't think the discrepancy in their upside is as big compared to the middle round guys. That's why I'm basically, you know, a first or last guy in the tight end uh, realm of things. And my final tip for you to follow in your fantasy draft: don't draft the kicker or defense unless it's required. If you have to, for the love of God, please wait until the last two rounds. I think the maddest I got on a podcast last year. And I, you know, I get a lot of DMs asking to go on random. Podcast, I'm happy to. If it almost talk football, I'm always happy to talk football. I can't guarantee I can do it the first available day you want, but I'm, I'm, you know, I've jumped on a ton of podcasts. Almost always have a great time. There was one though, where we were going through a draft, and this one kid was saying that he wanted to draft a kicker and defense in rounds eight or nine because he just liked setting up his starting lineup first. People. I will take that as a personal insult. If you ever do such a thing in your fantasy draft, you don't draft a kicker or defense unless it's required because they're kickers and defenses are built. We don't even know the starting kicker for half the teams right now and defenses. Like I just said, we barely know how they're going to look this year and defenses. Honestly, you can play the waiver wire game so easily just looking at Vegas and plaid odds that you just offer so much more upside by looking at a backup running back, uh, you know, number three or four wide receiver, even someone like Taysom Hill in those final two rounds of your draft. I've been loving getting Taysom Hill with the final pick because worst case, we find out James is starting in week one okay we cut Taysom hill and pick up a defense that is probably probably would have been there anyway i don't think too many people are hoarding defenses and kickers in these leagues and if it hits okay you cut someone else and now you have a top 10 quarterback in fantasy land and Taysom hill thanks to his running so if you need to draft the guys okay I get it people still you know use these half breeds in their leagues uh just doing the last two rounds because you're just going to be so much better off taking darts at other positions it's not that kickers and defenses don't matter necessarily and it pains for me to say that I-, I love defense i played linebacker when i played defense i'm not some fancy nerd just trying to only focus on offense i just think the scoring has never been good enough to really put much of an emphasis on it in fantasy land the points the you know just it's so much more bent on just creating havoc like remember the the 54 51 rams chiefs game like the rams gave up freaking 51 points and their defense was still like one of the top scoring units of the week because they managed to create some explosive plays so hey it is what it is it's how we score them and you know i'm not saying don't roster your defense or kicker uh in your league if you can remove them now that's a different uh equation all i'm saying is go for more upside at other positions that we have a greater understanding of in the final two rounds as opposed to a kicker or defense if you're allowed to make the waiver change before week one all right people quick review i hope you all enjoyed this episode rule number one don't get cute early rule number two there are roughly 14 running backs to feel really good about in rounds one through three rule number three if it's close take the player with the better best case scenario rule number four draft players priced closer to their floors and ceilings when possible rule number five injury prone already injured are two completely different things Rule number six, if you pick one of this year's dual-threat rookie quarterbacks, also draft Kirk Cousins. Rule number seven, knowing strong early season schedules can be your friend. Rule number eight, take an extra five minutes and review your scoring format before the draft. Rule number nine, get a big three tight end or wait till the double-digit rounds. And rule number 10, don't draft a kicker or defense unless it's required. And if you have to, for the love of God, please wait until the last two rounds. Great stuff, everybody. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And again, one more time, fantasy football season is here. We are now offering 25% off any PFF subscription to all first-time subscribers with promo code FLASH25. This is only until August 9th. So if you're hearing this on August 9th and you enjoyed the podcast, maybe you just enjoy the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast in general. This would be the offer for you to cash in on, show some support and just help yourself. I'm not, you know, I, yes, I prefer when people buy stuff from PFF. It's my employer, that's our ultimate goal as a company, but it's only $7.50, people. Like that's less than a burrito at the new Chipotle's and you get PFF's fantasy football draft guide. My rankings, you know, our projections, all of PFF's locked article content, cheat sheets for your fantasy draft and more promo code flash 25 for 25% off any PFF subscription. You can get access to all of our fancy tools for $7 and 50 cents. Like you're just not going to find cheaper, better value than that throughout the industry. I'd be shocked if you could. And yeah, again, seven fifty. why not? Great day to be great. As much as fancy football might be here, college football season is just around the corner, and to celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with two dollars in free bets instantly if you bet one dollar more on any college football game DraftKings Sportsbook is safe secure and reliable located right here in the United States so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience so people download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive two hundred dollars in free bets when you place a one dollar bet on any college football game that's promo code PFF to get you free two hundred dollars in free bets instantly for limited time only only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, people. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. 10 tips to follow in your fantasy football draft. Please follow them. Go make some money. That's what I'm trying to help you with. I'm Ian Harditz. Until next time, take care, everybody.